You're listening to the UI podcast by the Swedish Institute of International Affairs. In today's podcast, the head of the UI Europe program, Björn Fagerstein, and guest, the French ambassador to Sweden, David Svach, talk about France and European politics. Mr. Ambassador, it's now been 18 months since President Macron was elected on a very pro-European agenda. So I thought today we could talk a little bit about this European reform agenda of his, the status of that, what's meant with this Europe that protects, that I know that he he pushes for, and also perhaps something about the upcoming European elections. Maybe I can start with something that really strikes me, uh, talking to um, to people in Paris starting at the highest level. It's um, the very strong feeling of urgency that we have when it comes to, uh, to the state of Europe mm. and to the uh, prospects very strong sense of urgency, um, maybe even stronger than what I detect here uh, in Sweden. And if you look at the, the strategic assumptions that we were making as Europeans only about 10 years ago or 20 years ago after the, after the, the end of the Cold War, they're all being shattered. We were assuming that Russia was not going to be a major problem. We were assuming that China, little by little, would integrate uh, in the not only in the global economy but in the in the way we are conducting global governance mm. uh, let's say responsible stakeholder exactly we were assuming that the us would still be involved and interested in european security maybe coming a bit late sometimes like they did in yugoslavia but would be there for long we were assuming that once you are in the eu you don't leave that club and you keep respecting its rules. So every single of these assumptions is being shattered, and we cannot take anything for granted anymore. And that's something that is permanently on our president's mind, maybe also because of the way he was elected against uh, a candidate that, is, that was a symbol of uh, part of these, uh, of these problems. And you mentioned populism. That's also something we thought we would not see again at such a big level throughout Europe, even in countries that uh, had no recent history uh, with populism. I'm talking about Sweden here. So every time the president is thinking about uh, Europe, about uh, initiatives, that's, that's what he has in the back of his mind. He's quite concerned that we are sleepwalking into a situation where a lot of what has been achieved in the post-war uh, period um, is going to be gone and, and, and that we will realize it uh, too late. So to address this, I would say there is an issue of um, there is an issue of politics. First, uh, we need to talk about Europe in a different way. The the crises that we have all around us, they, they are d- difficult challenges. There are also opportunities to talk about Europe, and I'm encouraged in a way to see that the numbers of support in our public for for Europe is higher than ever, uh, or at least in a very long time. In France, we have the highest number of satisfaction with being in the EU since 1983, and I think in Sweden it's also a record record high. Uh, We have parliamentary elections coming up. It's the best uh, moment to start talking politically about our our joint future. And we must confront uh, the populist uh, agenda and expose the fact that they have no answer. In fact, they play on the fears, but they have no answer to what they are um, denouncing. 
And then we also need Europe to work a lot better. Um, part of the populists' appeal is that they feel that the governments are not delivering, and frankly, they are partly right. It's difficult for a government alone to address uh, climate change, to address a big security issue, terrorism, migration. Uh, so when we think about Europe, we must always think, is it the right level that brings value that allows to have policies that work or not? Mm. If it's not, we work at the national level or at the global level. But if it is, then we, m we must work a lot more at the European level. That's already what we do on train, and thank God we have, a, in fact, a federal policy on train. It's a, it's a big word here uh, in Sweden, but that's the reality of this policy, and that's the reason why we are able to resist the tremendous trade pressure that we are uh, facing. I don't think federalism is the issue and uh, um, is, the, is the solution to uh, any problem, but on some, it makes sense to have a more integrated policy. On others, we need to have much stronger uh, cooperation, co coordination. And then governments be, must be very clear about what is their own responsibility and stop blaming Brussels for mistakes uh, that are their own. Then on Europe, that protects. It's a formula that was, uh, that was developed during and after uh, our campaign in France. Part of the idea is to uh, address that feeling that I described, that, that People feel Europe is not there for them. In some quarters of the European public opinion, uh, people even think Europe is working against them, against their job, uh, against their future, that things were better before. And we believe that's not accurate. But it's also up to us as Europeans to demonstrate how Europe is working, uh, is working for you and to make progress there. And Europe that protects kind of makes sense in an environment that is becoming a lot more threatening from a hard security point of view to, a, to an economic and, and social uh, point of view. And we need to go back to the initial inspiration of the European project, which is a convergence between the member states. It's not only a free market Europe. It's a project of convergence. It's the best news in international relations ever, in my view, because we are building something. Uh, the UN is the area of cooperation between states. The EU is cooperation between states and something more than that. It's, it's this project of convergence that we have unfortunately a bit forgotten, particularly in the wake of the euro, uh, euro crisis. And that's why strengthening the euro is a starting point mm. uh, in this project. But then we, we need to add many other dimensions to this. We need to have a stronger defense dimension. I'm sure we'll come back to that. We need to have uh, stronger incentives at the EU level for EU countries to harmonize progressively their social and fiscal policies. We must have m more exchanges between European students, uh, academics, uh, researchers, and really uh, put us collectively on track for the, the two big transitions that we have to engineer, which is the green transition and the digital uh, transition. And all of that is, uh, is protecting and enhancing what, what, uh, what Europe is about, because we, we should uh, be a lot more confident than we are about 
what we are proposing as a model. We are proposing a, a model, and Sweden in this regard is, is exemplary, uh, where you can combine economic competitiveness, uh, social fairness, uh, generosity, and uh, also realism about strategic threats. Excellent. I'm going to come back to, to some of your concepts here. If we start with urgency uh, that you describe is, is very much felt in Paris today, would you say that that is the same in other European capitals? And I would perhaps think especially of Berlin. If your pre- president feels the, the urgency to act now, then it's a bit of a paradox that it's also been setting kind of waiting mood because we first we had to wait for the the elections in, in in Germany before anything could happen in Europe, at least that's how we were told. And then we've been waiting for a coalition to be formed. But what are the prospects for, for kind of uh, French-German cooperation in, for example, in areas of US governance? Do you think the Germans are, are ready to compromise? Uh, there's not a, there doesn't seem to be a lot of room, for example, in the, in the current government in, in, in Berlin to, to offer you much in the sense of a Eurozone budget, uh, for example. Yeah, maybe two things. On the, so on the feeling of urgency and then on uh, how do we work with Germany and others within the EU. On urgency, I feel, yes, I do feel uh, a similar feeling in Germany maybe even a greater shock uh, at um, at the developments in the transatlantic relationship mm. there are some uh, rather impressive statements by the chancellor and foreign minister and defense minister sometimes about the necessity for europeans to uh, be able to act more uh, and to raise their game in the field of uh, of defense and security and also a feeling of political urgency, because this wave of populism is uh, is felt as much in Germany, or maybe even more in Germany than elsewhere, for uh, obvious historical reasons. So the feeling of urgency is very much there. Now, the translation into a European uh, agenda, we have a historic uh, agreement with the Germans uh, with the Messeberg Declaration that was adopted back in uh, back in the summer, early summer, and in particular on the euro, we have never come to the euro issue from the same angle, the, the French and the and the Germans. But we have there a very good uh, compromise. So I would say on on the euro, the challenge for us is not to convince each other between French and Germans anymore. Uh, it is to convince the other. Uh, eurozone uh, countries, and that's what we are working on. And we have a, we have a set ourselves a, a deadline for the end of uh, of this year. I'm quite confident uh, that we will get to a much stronger euro. We will, of course, have a stronger banking union. Um, and most of the debate is is on the degree of fiscal capacity that we must have within the EU, and and, and that's where the debate lies. So. I cannot say now where it will end exactly, but I'm uh, very confident that the euro is already much stronger than it was during the crisis, um, but will emerge even even stronger in the next few months. But that's only it's a necessary first step, but it's only part of the challenges uh, of the response to the to the challenges. Just like the Franco-German relationship is key, uh, I don't think we, we can get anywhere if we don't have this as a starting point. 
but it's only the start. Once you have a Franco-German agreement, you've not solved the problem. You've, maybe you've made it possible to solve the problem, but then you need to engage other players. And on that, I would like to insist that we are never thinking in terms of big and small in the EU. Um, we are thinking in terms of partners and countries can, you know, that agree or disagree on, a, on an issue. That's part of the beauty of the European project uh, as well, is that we are not uh, thinking in pure balance of power um, logic. But what do you bring to the issue? And I'm really struck when it comes to Sweden that for us, Sweden is a key partner or a key potential partner in many of the areas that we deem crucial for Europe's uh, future. Well, Sweden obviously as an EU member, but a non-Euro member, we haven't adopted the, the common currency and it doesn't look as we will do that anytime soon. Um, this, I mean, we have an interest obviously in a, in a sustainable currency and economic area, but on the other hand, we do not, we do not want two kind of um, strong uh, walls between the, the Eurozone countries and the rest of the European Union. So should we be worried over this kind of centralization with your own budget, for example, within the Eurozone? Will we lose influence, would you say, in, in the larger European questions? I think for the moment you should be reassured more than worried, because as you said, uh, it's, it's in Sweden's fundamental interest that the Euro works. If it were to, uh, um, to collapse, uh, Sweden would be hit very hard. Mm. So, uh, and that's, to be fair, that's what I hear from uh, our Swedish friends. They want us to have a, a stronger uh, currency. Then we'll see how far it goes, how it develops. I personally think at some point in the future, Sweden might want to reassess uh, its relationship with the euro, with a banking uh, union, but I don't see this as a short term. Another issue that you brought up was this uh a Europe that protects, and and we see the of course we see this in the in the economic area was as you discussed the, the need for convergence and mm. and and investments. We also see it in our external economic relations. For example, we've had this discussion about investment screening, yeah. uh, with an obvious uh, focus on Chinese investments in Europe today, and uh, France has been a, a driving force here, together with Germany. I must say, uh, sh should we worry about this Chinese investments in Europe? We should look at it very carefully. We are committed to free trade, but we need to be careful when uh, behind free trade you have some policies that aim to take control at strategic sectors of the economy, and that means of our future. And to address that, we must be able to be defensive but we must be offensive as well. So defensive, we must develop tools that can be at the national level, that can be at the, at the European level, to block an attempt to take control in areas that we feel are really strategic. But then, if we do only that, it will, we will lose, eventually. But would you say that some European uh, states are naive? I mean, you're a diplomat, so you don't have to name any <laughs> names here, but... I think we all hope that China being a very uh, vibrant, dynamic uh, economy will respect the rules for free trade because it's ultimately absolutely China's interest. And we see that, and we must not harm these prospects. But we also see that there is a, a very 
aggressive protectionist uh, policy, in fact, in China, not only, not only in China. And that we need to address. I'm quite convinced that if we do that, Chinese will adjust very pragmatically and we will keep developing trade with them because it's, it's yeah. absolutely our interest. But we also need to be better in the areas where they are good. Um, and we cannot blame everything just on a, on a, on a Chinese dark uh, policy. They are also better than us uh, at, some, at some investments. I visited a startup in the south of uh, Sweden working in the automotive sector and they were doing really interesting work, but it's a startup, so they are always looking for, for, for cash. And it was so difficult for them to get a couple of million euros where, where they had the China, China knocking at their doors, offering them 50. Mm. But of course, for that price, they, they became completely Chinese. Mm. Uh, so we need to be able to offer uh, in our uh, innovative firms, in our startups, to offer, to offer means to develop. But do you think in the long run that it will be possible for Europe, to, for the European Union, to act as one in relationship to China? I mean, we see very different perspectives. I mean, in, in the north, I think many countries were kind of hesitant towards this investment screening, but now we see more of the, the logic behind it. And we have had some, and at least in Sweden, it's been more of a political discussion about it. In the south, on the other hand, there's been countries that are very keen to have these investments, so they are very hesitant because of that. And then in the Eastern Europe, we see, for example, this 16 plus one format of engaging China on their own terms. So, so are we fracturing here or will it be possible to, to act as one? It must be possible. Um, at the moment, I think the only, the only issue China, Russia and the US agree on is that it's better to have the European Union fractured than united. And it's up to us to realize that this is their policy and to react. And it's partly a an issue of uh, economic self-interest, but it's it's deeply uh, a political issue. Overall, if I look back over this past year and a half or two years that we've started to have this discussion on this specific issue of China, Chinese investments, I would say we are we are going in the right direction, but it's too slow. This Europe that protects also has a security dimension and. For example, we now have a development uh, of permanent structured cooperation on security and defense within the European Union, PESCO, which didn't really end up, at least uh, what I think the French anticipated as a very strong avant-garde, as it's also envisioned in the Lisbon Treaty, because now it's a very inclusive package. Rather, or as a complement, in, in, uh, in Paris you started up something that's called the European Intervention Initiative with uh, a couple of other European Union member states and also non, some non-EU countries. Could you say something about what is, the, what is the idea behind this? What will it deliver? Is, for example, talk about uh, strategic culture. How do you foster that in, in yeah. yet another club? With pleasure. First, I would say... It's, it's a bit the paradox of the situation. We are like making a lot of progress on a lot of fronts in Europe. We don't acknowledge it enough sometimes. But at the same time, all of this progress is not enough compared to with the speed uh, at which the threats develop. But we are making progress in this field of European defense. We've made more progress most likely in the past two years than in the past decades. And PESCO, I think you're right to say it was not it didn't end up exactly as uh, France had uh, env envisioned it but that's fine that's the way Europe works and we are happy 
that we have uh, PESCO. And as a matter of fact, we, are, we have a number of uh, projects in PESCO and we are going to propose uh, uh, other projects. So we are really committed there and it's, it's, it's good news for Europe that we have this and we, that we have also the European Defence Fund, which was set up at the same time to uh, help uh, develop European research in the field of, of defence. And then we have this European Intervention Initiative, which you rightly described as complementary. And what we want with that is to develop strategic, a common strategic culture in the EU. We have a lot of structures uh, in the EU. We have battle groups, um, training groups. A lot of the, a lot of the formats or institutions that we have developed over time, they seem to have a hard, hard time re really becoming operational. And part of the reason is that we don't really have a, a common strategic culture. And that's something we want to, to foster, which is why we offer to the countries that, that are able and willing to do more uh, in, this, um, in this field to join this, this initiative. As you said, it's also open to non-EU European countries, um, starting with the, with the UK. It's open to Denmark. Denmark is in the EU, mm. but it has an opt-out uh, on defense, which uh, prevents it from, from joining PESCO, for instance. So it is, in the, it is in the European Intervention Initiative. And what we will do there is, uh, is to have a continuous dialogue, essentially between our uh, militaries, on uh, doctrines, scenarios for intervention outside, but also on collective on collective defense. It's a kind of Erasmus for the military, if you, if you want. Uh, and the purpose is, if one day we need to act quite quickly, people know who to call, people know uh, how they want to deal with the, with the issue. Uh, we don't lose precious hours and days uh, starting to figure out what we are going mm. to do together. So it's, it's the begin beginning of a process, but um, we felt there was something missing there in spite of all these structures and formats of dialogue. We don't really have a, a common view of our strategic challenges. Would you benefit from having Swedish participation? I mean, Sweden and France has uh, cooperated quite intensively in different missions and Sweden has been active in, in CSTP missions, but we are not yet enlisted for this uh, cooperation format. Yeah, if Sweden is able and willing, uh, I have no doubt about the able part. Um, it, it will be, uh, it will be uh, welcome. For that, like for many other things, um, I suppose we need a government, a new government. And we will, uh, I'm sure, one of the first items of discussion between the new government uh, and us will be on these issues of uh, European defense and security. Initially, you, you also talked about the, the concept of convergence. And I've, I know this is very important for President Macron. Um, I think he said in a biography that if we don't have convergence, we will have fraction in, in Europe. Um, I mean, looking at the elections now in May, the European elections, what, what kind of... Uh, and Macron was famous for running a kind of pro-European platform in France, but what would a pro-European platform in, in Europe look like? How do you, uh, how do you meet up the, the kind of populist challenge on, on a European level? It's perhaps more of a political than a diplomatic question. But if That's fine. Sometimes, <laughs> you know, the line between the two can be a, a bit uh, blurry. We need to expose them for who they are, the, the populists. They are people who... Uh, 
uh, thrive on, on fears. So they have no interest, no, no interest in uh, addressing the issues because they thrive on the, on the problems and on the fears uh, of the people. That's one. And then, second, we also need to say what we are for. You, ne you never win, I think, any election just by criticizing uh, the other side. Mm. You need to explain what you are, what you are for. And to address this lack of confidence that we, we seem to have in our, in our societies about our model, th I think there is a reason why China, the US, and Russia don't like Europe. That it's quite strong, in fact, what we are proposing to the world. Uh, Putin, whose agenda is to uh, dismantle Europe, as our president said in, a, I think it was an interview here, uh, in, with, with um, SVT, Putin does this because he doesn't want to have next door uh, a social, economic, democratic model that might be appealing uh, to his people. Uh, others might not like the EU becoming too strong or being able to protect its people uh, uh, too much. Um, they, they might have an, an interest to, to divide us uh, and rule. But what, what is it that we stand for? We stand for open societies, um, diverse, gender-friendly societies that um, welcome innovation and where we have a, a way of life that is unique, I believe, a, a right balance between a, a healthy um, cultural um, acti uh, activities, economic prosperity, we, we have an interesting balance here. Maybe Sweden is, is the best example of the right balance between all these aspects in, 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 our, in our life. But that's, that's what we want to have, uh, to protect and to develop at the, at the European level. And frankly, I, don't, I cannot imagine something more uh, um, ambitious and interesting than this project. If you look at the individual level, that's what we're all trying to do, is it not? Not only to have a good job, but to have a good life, to become better people, to learn stuff. Um, well, the place in the world where you can kind of do all of that uh, is Europe. But very often when wh what people want for themselves, they don't, they don't really want for Europe because they, they feel those are two different issues. One is a distant, political, abstract, bureaucratic issue, and the other one is their own personal life. Sometimes I feel that's a bit the case in, uh, here in Sweden. Uh, but our personal life totally depends on what we build at the national and European level to be able to, uh, to develop it and to enhance it. So I think we must inject this in the, political, in the political discussion. Not only what we are against, and we must be very clear and not let the populists uh, uh, get away with their with our narrative, so we must confront it methodically, precisely, but then we must also explain that what we, what we stand for is, uh, is beyond just uh, prote protecting our interests, that's, that's important enough in its own right, but we are, we are really the place in the world where we can build a, a better future for, for us and for our children. Mr. Ambassador, thank you very much for coming to our institute and recording this podcast.
My pleasure. Thank you. Find us on www.ui.sc. We are also on Facebook and on Twitter with UI Sweden. And we're also on YouTube where you can watch our seminars and interviews.